0: Guys, welcome to the Lions Main Podcast, episode eight. Today I was joined by Coach Reed Maltby. He goes by Coach Reed, and he is a soccer coach, a consultant, a speaker, and a mentor for coaches and athletes alike. And today we talked about mastery, we talked about excellence and the difference between those two things. We talked about values, developing values, and how culture and teams starts from the top down. It starts from being modeled at the top with the coach down to the athletes, and it starts early in youth sports. We talked a lot about development of youth athletes and a ton more. So I hope you get as much value from this episode as I did, and let's start the show. Thank you so much for coming and uh, for joining us on the podcast today.
1: Thank you. I always learn so much from you, and, and and I love having colleagues out in the industry who are willing to push me and challenge me and, and, and teach me. Cause I think we never, we we'll never stop learning. Right.
0: Absolutely not. Can't stop learning, but it's really great for, um, for young people and young coaches like myself who are still in our, the end of my first decade, but, but still young to gain experience from people like yourself who have not only taken the experience, but, but thought about it um, a lot. So
1: <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe too much at times. Right. <laughs>
0: It's the psychologist in us. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Speaking of that, if you could introduce yourself um, to this audience and um, tell us who you are, what you're about, what you do.
1: Sure. Happy to. So uh, as you mentioned, I I go by Coach Reed because I was a coach for uh, uh, almost 30 years now Uh, prior to getting into what I did. I coached soccer. That was my sport. I started at age 16. Uh, My mentor had a phenomenal mentor, very informal, uh, but uh, amazing mentor throughout my entire career that got me in at 16, said it would change the way I played and saw the game. Plus it would change me as a human being. And he wasn't kidding. Uh, I went off after uh, college. I decided to go on. I got a master I ended up with a master's in in psychology, sports psychology, behavior and performance. So it was a little bit of a mixture of the physical and the mental side, which was cool. Um, Continued to work in the soccer realm, started to become club director, coaching director, and started helping and training and mentoring and working with other coaches, which really started to tap that teaching nerve. So I went back and got a master's in education for many reasons. One, I I really wanted to be in the classroom with kids to to see what that was like, because my wife felt that that was a really good spot for me. And also, I knew that there was a big development piece we were missing in sports, this child development. As you and I were chatting earlier, we're not applying some of those developmental stages pieces to kids We're we're treating eight-year-olds like they're 18 and we're talking to them and we're putting them in a position socially and emotionally like they're 18 and they're not and it's just so I knew there was a piece of the puzzle there that would really help me grow got a master's in early childhood education uh, and so applied that in 2015 my wife said okay you got these two masters you come home every day and you tell me everything that's right and wrong or you tell me everything that matches with the research and everything that you're applying. And she's like, and you've told me so much. I totally get it. She goes, you need to share it with the world. She goes, you got a voice. So use it. So she talked me into doing a TEDx. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I did a TEDx on the power of a coach's words that goes beyond the game. And that sort of changed my trajectory. All of a sudden I realized, wow, you know, there's this, there's this message that we can share out there where, where I can help people who aren't even in my same zip code you know who are on the other side of the planet we can share with each other and i can put out this message about social emotional learning and, and child development and sports and the language we use and the voice we have and so from there i went on to uh, become a speaker i travel i travel the world you know doing presentations um, with youth clubs national governing bodies high schools uh, College is whoever wants me to come in and chat with them. And I realized that we were talking a lot, but not doing a lot. So in 2019, I shifted to the solution focus, problem aware, solution focused, And I launched Raising Excellence. And our whole goal is to help train, mentor, educate. I basically say that I develop those who transform lives. Hmm. So my job is to provide the tools, the resources, the knowledge, the expertise, the skills, whatever it is they need to those leaders in sports who are influencing the lives of our children, so that they're teaching every child to raise excellence each and every day, because that's far more important than the goals we score and the games we win, is are we teaching our children to become successful human beings, and we can use sport as the vehicle, and so that's what I do now, that through that and coaches realm where I mentor coaches, I'm keeping myself pretty busy.
0: That's amazing, and isn't not it? Isn't it an interesting moment where you go from seeing sport as life to sport as a Valuable tool to get better at doing life.
1: (laughs) It's a very interesting moment, and for any of your listeners, and I'm I'm sure you know the feeling. There's that transition period where one day you wake up and you go, "Oh my gosh, I'm no longer an athlete," (laughs) or "Oh my gosh, you know." And it's like, what do I do? There's this loss there. It's it's. There are organizations out there that do. You know, there's former U.S. Olympic and World Cup uh, players here in the U.S. who have organizations who who that's what they're doing is they're helping these athletes transition. It's scary, but when you realize, wait, 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 no, no, I'm still in the the sport. I'm just, I'm in a vehicle now. I'm driving the vehicle and it's become something different. You know, it's, it's shaping my life. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good moment when, like Mark Twain says, you know, two, two best moments in your life are when you uh, realize, what is it, uh, your purpose and then you use it. And so, you know, that's what we did is I, we realized our purpose. We played sports and then one day we went, oh, now what do I do? Wait, I can use sports now to help others. (laughs) 100%
0: 100% and I actually tried to leave sports I was very adamant about yeah I, I, I don't need this I don't want to do anything with it because I got injured and that's how my my career came crashing down around me I was like no I don't I don't need to do this thanks so much had a great time bye um I tried to eat out of there and that was very unsuccessful I very quickly came back to sport and realized oh this is just the other side of being an athlete it's not actually as different as I thought it was and now I get to make the change instead of be changed basically
1: definitely I- I told somebody the other day, I was talking about something and I said, it's the same pre-game jitters. I get, you get the same pre, get, I was about going on, I was going into a workshop with a bunch of coaches and they said, don't do you get nervous before these?
0: Yes. And <laughs> and I was
1: working with them. Well, the thing is, is I'm working with a bunch. So it was really cool. What we did is I was with soccer shots. Mm-hmm. And if you'll indulge me, this is a pretty cool story. I was with soccer shots. We created uh, um, Jane Nelson and I created these positive discipline tools for coaches cards and soccer shots was our first client. They said, we will love both of you. <laughs> and and we'd love it if you would create custom cards for us so we created custom branded in their language and everything like that there are these cards we now have a generic version but they were just for them and in the process soccer shots brought me in to sort of consult on curriculum development uh evaluation systems and help train new owners and coaches because they're franchise so they're like little feet and you know they're they're franchise stamped out across north america so they have hundreds of owners and so We did the cards. I went to the conference last year. This year I'm going back and all we're doing is a workshop. And we decided to really be crazy because some of the owners get the cards, but not all of them quite understand them. And so they're just collecting dust. And they're and I kept saying they're tools. You gotta use them. You gotta put them in your tool belt and use them, or else you'll never know how to use them and you're gonna find a different way to use them than I did. But if Mm. all you have is a hammer, then everything looks like a nail and we're trying to give you more tools. So they said, Hey, we got this crazy idea, Reed. Let's do a workshop in the morning on the field, a coach's clinic with our with some of our best coaches teaching some of the curriculum and then let's do this after that let's go ahead and go into a workshop a couple hours later and let's hot seat the workshop so the workshop that i did was unscripted it was based on what i saw happen on the field at 9 a.m at 2 p.m we were going to do a workshop around that what issues did we see and how were they solved and if they were solved using positive discipline tools Let's walk through that. If they weren't solved, let's workshop through how we could use these tool cards to solve those issues with these children. And these are coaches, young coaches of kids ages two to nine. So I'm standing outside the room and somebody says, are you nervous? And I said, are you kidding?
0: No pressure.
1: <laughs> there's no script. It's based on what we just saw this morning. These are, kid, these are coaches working with two to nine-year-olds. So there's, it's really important that, I, that, that we get this right. And I said, it's just like before any game. I feel the same feelings I did as an athlete. And so you learn to use those, those that nervous energy. You learn to use that anxiety for good. When you transition into what we're doing, it's the same feelings as being an athlete. You just you use those techniques in a different way.
0: Yep. Those mental skills carry over so well. That's why it's so important to teach them actually purposefully. Yes. Yeah. So let's get into what is excellence. Now that's raising excellence if I'm... Uh, not misunderstanding is basically your brand. Um, What is excellence and mastery? If you could define those for us.
1: Sure. So uh, and mastery is one of the big words I like to use a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. So excellence to me is personal. It's individual. It's consistent. It's this idea that right now we define our children and we define their, their success in sports and life. Based on these arbitrary numbers or these uh, very, very um, objective measurements that we sometimes as adults impo- impose on them, or that are imposed by people who are uh, developmentally different. Uh, so, in other words, you talk about like with young kids, we some kids win the genetic lottery and some kids develop faster. So, at age eight, some kids are really excelling faster than others, and so then we start defining what X, ex- what what success is by those kids. And so, if you're not as good as the top five kids in your club, you're not considered good, right? Or if you can't swim or run the same pace as other kids that are 14 years old, you're not considered good. So we start very early on bouncing kids out of the sport pyramid because they don't fit the definition of success that we as adults have arbitrarily created. And excellence to me is, it's very personal. It has nothing to do with any other kids. It has nothing to do with a measurement or anything outside myself. It's also very internal. Excellence is what I have in me. And excellence is based on my own skills, knowledge, abilities, uh, you know, all those pieces of the puzzle. In other words, excellence is about what I can accomplish compared to myself, right? And and not what I can accomplish compared to the fastest 14-year-old in the world because Mm -hmm. I'm never going to beat the fastest 14-year-old in the world at 14 possibly. But I can beat myself the next day. And that's the other thing is it's consistent. So a lot of times what we do is we look at, perfection as being excellence we talk about the perfect game a scoreless game a, you know perfect game in baseball uh, undefeated seasons all of that stuff and the research out there shows that even to the pro athletes when they reach perfection they're disappointed yep. a lot of them say I thought it would feel differently I thought something I thought there would be you know I don't know what I expected but I didn't feel like this they feel depressed They've done research on Super Bowl winning athletes who said that by the plane ride home from having won the Super Bowl, they were already depressed because they went, what's next? I reached the pinnacle. I don't know what to do with myself next. That's what scares me the most is when we set a finish line and we tell people that that is what success is because some will never make it to the finish line. So how do you think they feel? And others who do make it to the finish line, they expected more. And so- Excellence is not about perfection. It's about every day being a little bit better than what you did yesterday. And guess what? It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where your skill levels are. You can do that every day. And that's where it's like, almost like the, you know, kumbaya, sit around in a circle. (laughs) But it's it's very true. If you can tell a kid, I did it with. I had this little girl in soccer shots years ago, and she was crying. And I go over and I what's wrong? I get down to eye level. I ask her, you know, how, what, how, I see her upset. What, what, tell me what's going on. And she says, well, someone so can juggle 10 times and so-and-so can juggle 20 times. And I can't even juggle once. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's okay. Don't, don't compare yourselves to them. It's not about them. It's about you. And so we walk through together. I said, I would help her. We would do this together. We start juggling together. She gets one juggle right? I'm like, yeah, one juggle, high five, you got one juggle. And then I said, do you think we can get two? Can we be just one juggle better than we were last time? So we worked and worked and worked. And finally, she does it off her leg, and it hits her head, and it goes off in the distance. And she's getting ready to cry. And I look at her and go, oh, that was two, that was two juggles. And so long story short, she got so excited over the fact that she was improving upon herself. It didn't matter that Johnny was doing 10 juggles. It didn't matter that Susie was doing 20. She got two, and that's what mattered, right? She was better than she was just five minutes prior. And so I challenged her. We only did it once a week. I said, when I see you next week, how many juggles do you think you can get? Oh, I can get this. Week. I said, okay, then next week, all I want you to do is come back. And I, even if it's just one, I just want you to do one more juggle than you did this week. One more. And is that, is that excellent? She's like, yeah, I'd be, I'd be great. She comes back the next week. She goes, coach. I'd forgotten all about it. Coach, coach, coach. I go, yeah. She goes, I need five. And I'm going, five? What, what did she? Oh, five juggles? Like it suddenly dawned on me. She had remembered and she, had, she, she did five juggles. She, yep. she did two the week before, five this week. You can't tell me that that child didn't feel excellence, that that child wasn't seeking excellence, that that child wasn't working hard, wasn't resilient, wasn't committed. Those are all things we want in our kids. So that's when it was like, there was a catalyst to realize you've got to make it personal. Excellence is about each human being in front of you. It is not about a number on a page. It is not about a stat line. It's got to be about each person in front of you. And you've got to teach these kids that they can do it every day. All they have to do is wake up today and be a little bit better somewhere. Or even and sometimes we have bad days. Excellence is just being consistent. I was just as good today as I was yesterday, right? And so that to me is how I started to to define it. It's not arbitrary. It's extremely personal and specific and and subjective to the person in front of you. It's treating human beings like human beings. It's treating children like children. You coach the person in front of you for what they are capable of. You teach them to feel confidence. That was the other piece with this little girl. We as coaches will always look to encourage those positive behaviors that reach results. So a lot of times the kids in your training sessions that, and I did this for decades, that get encouraged are the ones that are accomplishing what we're trying to teach. Great job, Susie. You got the skill. Oh, Mikey, that looks so good. Way to go. Well, good on you. You got it. Mm-hmm. But there are 10 other kids that aren't accomplishing the skill yet. So they're starting to feel incompetent. And we call those kids uncoachable when they lash out or when they hang their head or when they cry. We go, oh, that's an uncoachable kid. To me, that's lazy. That's a, and I did it. That's a lazy coaching behavior. That's refusing to actually be a coach when you label a child without taking the chance. Because what we need to understand is every behavior is driven by underlying feelings. And it's not our job to judge a child or put a child in a box or give up on a child because of a the behavior. They don't know better. They don't know how to express their feelings. Our job is to find out what those feelings are and address those feelings. That's what makes the behaviors go away is when we can help address the feelings and help children cope with those feelings or give them the tools they need to overcome those. For that little girl, she was feeling incompetent. That's what caused the crying. She looked around, saw she couldn't do the skills. She was probably not getting the encouragement or praise from me because I was saying, good job, Johnny, you got five. I got 10. Way to go, Susie, you got 10. So what does she start feeling incompetent? Some kids will punt the ball. Some kids will punch another kid. Some kids will cry. But it's all coming from that feeling of incompetence. Some Excellent. kids will leave sport. They will leave sport. If you don't feel, as an adult, if you don't feel confident at summer, are you going to go back the next week and embarrass yourself? Nope. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> my, wife, my, my wife got me into yoga. And I'm like, honey, I'll go. But I'm telling you, if I look like an idiot, I'm not coming back. There's the feelings <laughs> of incompetence coming out, right? So uh, so it's, it's learning and that moment with each child how to teach them to feel confidence. I call it the membership mastery and um meaning process and that's the three big keys to to defining excellence in children is they've got to belong to something bigger than themselves it's as easy as giving them high fives when they show up high fives change lives every kid's getting a high five when they come to my practice do they feel like they belong to something pretty special yeah does that make them want to come back yeah when they feel that way do you think that they're going to come and play their best and play their hardest yeah oh yeah right because they belong well we know in all
0: contexts that like the group the the group cohesion and group membership is massive for and basically every social, so basically in every social context. So whether it's at work, in business, in sport, et cetera, et cetera, just belonging to a group somewhere and being in the in group somewhere is vastly important to performance and to avoid stress and burnout. So right? in sport and with kids, it's immensely valuable even just to teach those skills and teach how to be a part of a group and function in the group.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Belonging it starts to foster those feelings of like, um, people believe in you so feelings yeah. of belief and hope and courage and confidence start to shift out of that right and then mm-hmm. i mean that and then it taps the amygdala because our primitive brain exactly. is seeking connection because we created tribes from the very beginning of time to survive to hunt mm-hmm. and gather together to fight off the the animals to huddle for warmth so we as humans we need that belonging just to feel whole so you're right i mean it's like so that's the first piece right and then mastery is the second piece It doesn't matter where a child is on the development spectrum. It doesn't matter how good they are on your team. They should feel mastery because like you said, if they feel incompetent, they're either like I was saying, going to act out or like you said, they're going to leave the game. And we keep talking about 70% are leaving by 13. That's a symptom. We're not fixing the root problem. Let's go to the root problem and prepare our coaches with the social emotional learning skills to make every child feel like they belong and every child feel competent. Me having that conversation with that little girl Made her feel confident, even though she hadn't acquired the skill. And what it does is we're also, quote unquote, using the, to use a buzzword, we're developing growth mindsets. We're Mm -hmm. teaching children that work matters more than outcome. That process, which is what excellence is, matters more than the product itself. So we can measure outcomes, which is why we always go to that for success in children. You ran this fast, you swam this fast, you won this many games, you made this many saves, you scored this many goals, all right? The problem when we do that is, is not every kid gets there, but when we start to teach them that the journey matters more than the, the, the destination, that, that it's not what you get when you arrive, it's who you become along the way that matters most, then kids, we can start measuring that too. We can measure effort in children. So this little girl went home and worked all weekend and came back and did five juggles and told me I worked this much and I could see the determination. I can measure the determination. I can measure the smile on her face. I can measure her commitment to the process, right? I can measure her effort, her resilience. She tried 30 times, finally got at the 30th time. Does that not show me resilience in a child? Can I not mark down that she's got resilience? I mean, isn't that not a stat I can now take? But we don't, they're so nebulous and we don't see those stats that we don't think they exist. And so if we don't measure them, then they don't matter to us. And if they don't matter to us, then they lack meaning, right? So the other one is this competence, being able to Get a child to feel like even though they haven't quite accomplished the skill, they still have some competence, And that is in the effort by saying to somebody, oh, my gosh, you are working so hard. And I know you you're almost there. And I know you're frustrated, but you should see how hard you're working and that determination on your face and how close you are. How can I help you? What can we do together so that we can we can get this skill right? You do that with an athlete. One, you've made it very personal, very personal. You have entered that child's world and you have lit that fire in their heart. Secondly, you have made that child feel like they have competence. I may not have the skill yet, but coach says I'm a hard worker and I'm almost there. You've created competence along that child's personal development pathway. And you know what? Five juggles may be the only amount of juggles that little girl ever got. But my hope is 20 years from now, that moment is something that sticks with her. So whatever she goes on to be great at, she remembers that it's about the effort. And she remembers that she has value. So that's, and then the third piece is obviously meaning tap into somebody's why, like really touch somebody's heart, find out what their Everest as I call it is, what that one thing that just really ignites them is, and you tap it and tap it and you keep tapping. It's what the New Zealand All Blacks did. You know, that's Mm -hmm. how they built an empire, uh, sports, you know, the winning a sports program in the history of humankind was, it had nothing to do with what was happening on the field. They all had this shared why and they bought it into the why. And everybody's why matter. And so that's those are the three big pieces that I feel help really define excellence for coaches is membership meaning and mastery for I love every kid. That.
0: I love that. I always tell um, literally right along those lines, I don't work with that many youth athletes at this point. I'm mostly in high school, collegiate age, and then like young pro. So usually until end of the twenties or so. So let's say 14 to end of twenties, but it's still I see basically the result of kids who weren't coached, not, not incompetently, but maybe completely kids who weren't coached completely in a well-rounded way. Um, in the last years where they come in and feel like I'm not doing better than I was yesterday. I'm, Lifting less weight, I'm running. I'm running slower, et cetera, et cetera, and having to consistently remind them, I'm only asking for your hundred percent for today, not your hundred percent of the best day of your life, not your one rep max from the day that you were loaded up on carbs and this, that, and the other thing. I'm literally only asking for what your one hundred percent is on this specific minute, doing this specific exercise, nothing more. And that's the process. Like understanding that the process is not always linear. It's not always a consistent line to the top uh sport is very very quickly a highs and lows game so to speak and to bring the understanding that hey this process is not going to look pretty all the time and your 100% today is going to be way different than it was last week and it's going to feel a lot different than it did when you were playing at championships and this that and the other thing but I'm just asking for your 100% because that's how you get better the process goals are so much more or the process orientation and the task orientation are so much more valuable than looking at outcomes and goals and then statistics if i can get their minds away from what's my water at max or what's my maximum velocity ever versus what is it today um, that's where i see my athletes performing not only the best in training but also the best in their competitions with that mindset oh
1: definitely and you're helping them enter that that social emotional and psychological space then and include that in the equation because physically if somebody's not as good as they've been in the past then there's a total shutdown but if you're teaching them that maybe your maybe your body just isn't quite there today but where's your brain at you know where where, how are you feeling where are your emotions today if you can regulate your brain and your emotions you may not be having your best physical day but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you can't have a great day because you can overcome sometimes the quote-unquote physical hangover by just yep. having that mental and emotional well-being, and a lot of like you said, they're not equipped. And 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 see, I like, I love talking to people and working with people that work with high school, college age athletes. Like like you were saying, I were I sat in rooms with elite level coaches. Our tool cards are really geared towards. They've got kitschy cartoons on the front, and they talk about children. We use the word children all the time. And so, of course, when I'm in a room of coaches, and I've got you know grassroots coaches, and I was in with U.S. Sailing, and I had a grassroots guy who. He actually borrows boat from the local boats from the local yacht clubs to be able to run his program for kids and stuff, and and then in the same room as an America's Cup coach, you know. It's like <laughs> there's a huge spectrum here, folks. And somebody said these are great cards, but I fear that they're only for the coaches of the youngest, the grassroots coaches, the kids that are like two, three, four, five years old. And both this 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 higher level, elite level coach and uh, a member of the USOC Coaching Education Committee was sitting in the room. Nadine Davina. Both of them said. I would challenge an elite level coach to be able to use these cards. I would challenge him to be able to adapt these cards to working with their 18 and 19 year olds. And here's why. Cause kids get to 14 or 15. My son just hit 15. He walks in the room the other day. My wife's got her back to him. He says something and she jumps and she says, Oh my goodness. And she turns around. And she goes, Whew. I was like, who is this man that just snuck in my house? Cause <laughs> His voice changed overnight. He's, he's taller than me now. He's more hair on his legs than me. It's like, what in the world happened? This boy <laughs> went away for a couple of weeks to visit grandma all the summer. And he comes back and he's a man. So imagine I'm, st- I'm now treating him like a man. He's still a 15 year old boy
0: with an underdeveloped brain.
1: Bingo. Because the human brain doesn't stop fully developing until into the mid 20s. Sometimes later for some people. I'm 45 and I'm pretty certain I have a ways, <laughs> ways to go to mature. So, but that's the thing, right? So we take this nineteen year old who is breaking world records, right, and they're crushing the competition and and they're an olympic ten time Olympic gold medalist, and that we're throwing them onto the today show and we're running and we think this is an adult and and they're like, no, <laughs> most of my childhood was spent whatever in a pool, so I never really got to grow up and be social with my friends and two, my brain isn't fully developed, so that's where it's really powerful is when you realize whether they're elite or two years old, they are craving us to help build their brains and their emotional intelligence and their social skills alongside those physical skills. They want us to see them as little human beings who still need us to nurture them. Even when they're 18, 19 years old, they still wanna feel like they belong. They still wanna be told they're good. They're they're getting something right, right? Good job at blah, right? That encouragement. And they still want to feel that meaning and like they matter to us. Doesn't just, matter if they're nineteen.
0: Yeah, and just like you were saying, um, we label them immediately as uncoachable athletes when they lash out. But a lot of the times they're looking for negative attention because it's still attention. Um, yeah, I've seen I've seen that quite often, and that's not a bad athlete. That's a kid that we aren't coaching the way that
1: they need to be coached. So yeah, exactly, yeah, Michael Phelps, you know, he's now doing tours and talking about his stuff. And I I really want to spend some time. I'd love to, I'd love to chat with him actually and spend some time, but I think that's one of the things he's touching on is he came back from that first Olympics and he just crushed the world. Right. And everybody treated him like this man and this, this, this hero, this Hercules. And, and he was a kid and he did some things that, that people, you know, got him in the hot water and people sort of just, they, you know, they, they just persecuted him over this. And it's like, he was, he, he, I think what I've read and seen is he today is saying that was me lashing out. Like I was hurting inside. I was not feeling whole, but nobody would stop to see me as a human being and give me that chance to be vulnerable and say, I need help. Help me here. And we see it with our NBA athletes. You know, they're all coming forward and saying, I'm depressed. Um, yeah. Because Why? Because at 19 years old, they got drafted straight into the NBA and treated like a man and being given millions of dollars and people following them around and entourages and everything, and they never got to grow up, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. So. Now, I'd be interested in And, and your I'm
1: t- not knocking them. No, I'm just going to say, I'm not knocking these guys. I'm not saying that they're bad people. Like they're all coming forward and saying, now you're helping, the NBA is actually helping them. Now you're helping me, and now I feel whole. Oh, the brain will cause us to behave in certain ways, and there's no need to judge somebody for being a jerk because they did something. Figure out why they did it and let's address the why
0: first. 100%. And literally, sorry to, to cut you off. No, literally, to go off of that, is we lose so much life experience by being in sport basically our whole lives and not having that complete coaching, not having that complete um, experience. Whereas a lot of, uh, I've talked about this before on the podcast and, and online, we miss a lot of that. Holistic adolescence that everybody else had, especially if you're in high-performance sport, um, which includes missing out on psychosocial things in development, learning how to communicate, developing values outside of just sport and performance, hanging your worth on how your performance was, especially if your coach reinforces that or your federation or your club reinforces that, etc. So could you dive into how values, words, and actions play a role in governing excellence?
1: They are the foundational pieces to the puzzle. So excellence, is it's got to be very personal. It's got to be owned by the person themselves, and there's got to be that internal locus of control. Mm -hmm. Right now, we're defining success in sports, and it's it's shifted the motivation outside of children, and it's also shifted the locus of control. See, they have to reach this arbitrary number. They have to be in the top 15 to make the team. They have to run a time at X. They have to swim So when we start doing that to these kids, what we're doing is we've shifted their ability to control their environment external to them they have no control over how the other kids compete they have no control over how the other kids you know run or anything like that they have no control over that number what they have control over is how they react to it and so uh for me it's all those values become so vital because if we want children to be able to shift to an internal locus of control they have to have buy-in and they have to have a value system that leads to that excellence they have to know what it means to be resilient. They have to know words like commitment and they have to know words like work ethic and they have to, they have to have that why. So values start to convey the why to kids. It's one of the reasons why, for instance, in New Zealand, all blacks do so well is because they have a very strict value system and everybody follows them and they have mantras that they use to, to create them. So when I was at a club in Cincinnati star soccer club, we had values, but they were just words on a page. I mean, they they lived them. Actually, the reason I, I should say, the reason I went to that club is because they lived them better than anybody else I'd seen. And I wanted to be a part of that. But for most clubs, values are, are words on a page. So when I got there, they were like, okay, we want to really bring these values to life. What do we do? So we started developing habits of excellence. If we want these values to be lived, then we need to teach the children how to live them so that they become core behaviors rather than just core values. To do that, the children needed habits like brushing your teeth every morning, right? Or washing your hands before you eat. Those kinds of habits that we teach them in real life, we need to teach them around these values. And so, you know, after every game, we thank the referee and that's that's gratitude, respect. We go over and we thank our parents or whoever brought us for driving us and that's gratitude. Uh, we always line our bags up and tuck our jerseys in because they're supposed to be tucked in by the laws of the game, right? And pull our socks up and that is discipline. And so now you go to an eight-year-old, if you go to an eight-year-old and say, what gratitude they have no like. That's an ambiguous, again, developmental cycles. That's an Mm -hmm. ambiguous word. They need something concrete. But if you teach them these habits of excellence and you as coaches and parents and club administrators are living these so they see them in other people, now what happens is you go to a group of eight-year-olds and you walk up to them. And we would do this. I'd walk up to them. Hey, guys, our word for the week is gratitude. What's gratitude mean? Oh, we always thank our parents for bringing us to practice and games. We're always grateful for the things they do. And all of a sudden, they can show us what gratitude is. And so they begin to buy in and live these. And when you're living those values, you suddenly start demanding excellence of yourself. You demand better of yourself. You start self-regulating your teammates. A teammate does something. There's no better feeling in the world than when you're coaching. And this happened many times. When you see somebody coaching or you're coaching a group of like 12-year-olds, and one of them does something that's against what the club would consider, that's not how we do things here. And a fellow teammate turns to him and goes, whoa, hey, is, is that our value? Or whoa hey we don't do that and I've heard it 12 year olds speaking to each other like that holding each other accountable those values become that the driver to excellence if we teach our children strong values and we we teach them to create core behaviors out of those core values guess what behaviors do okay words matter and here's why they matter because words are imprinted on the brain and words become thoughts and thoughts become feelings and feelings become behaviors and behaviors when done regularly become habits and habits the right kind can lead to excellence the wrong kind can lead us down the other path and that's why words matter when we teach our children positive values and then we teach them to think about what those values mean and what they would look like in real life and then we teach them what it feels like to have those values to be a part of a group of people who have those values to feel mastery and control over those values i can control how many people i thank, how many high fives i give when we we're at soccer shots high fives change lives was our mantra because one of our values was we were genuinely happy people at our particular location i know what that feels like to give six high fives and see the smiles on their faces right those feelings now lead to the fact that i want to give as many high fives as i can because the next person i give a high five to That could be the one person that anchored them to this world. Can you imagine giving 30 high fives in a day and being tired, but one child you gave a high five to? One child was screaming on the inside for one adult to look them in the eyes and tell them they matter and make contact. One child. So now I feel that, right? So I want to I want to give a high five to every kid I see without being the creep at the grocery store, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, when I would wear the orange soccer shot jerseys, no matter where I went, kids would see me and go, soccer shots guy, and they'd want high fives. I'd be in grocery stores giving high fives, right? So now I've created a habit. And that is a habit of excellence. Because now at every practice, every kid gets a high five. And that has created this, this habit of excellence of making every kid feel like they belong. When we teach our kids to do those things, that's why words and values matter because all of a sudden we help them along that path, but they craft those words into these excellent behaviors and those lead to them achieving their greatest because those words drive the great habits that lead us to the things we want to accomplish in life. I mean, that sounds really cheesy, but it's, it's darn true with kids. Mm -hmm. And if you try it with your own team, you'll see it.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Now I, I have an interesting experience with coaching because um, European coaches, let's say German coaches specifically, are a little bit different than the American style of coaching, and they tend to be a lot more hard-handed, let's say, Um, but I've seen coaching done so, so well to the point where, you know, in America, the, the hot topic is like building a culture among your team, right, so building this culture, but When a coach themselves values excellence, and I've seen this done so, so well, when a coach themselves values that excellence and lives it out in those values, like you said, in those words, in those actions, in those high fives, in that respect, and in that, like, individualization, it not only creates a culture, but it actually creates a standard where you don't have to, you don't actually have to really do any, like, giving of consequences or any um, organization. It's just a standard of, I expect you to also fill out um, or live up to these values, to also execute these words and actions, to also be excellent, to also work at 100% as I am. And for me, that's a great example of, you know, high-fiving or not, leading from the front, but also being able to lead from the back just by executing those things you already believe in, like you said in your your orange jersey. um, You're not, you know, it might be a little bit of a flamboyant shirt, but you're also carrying with you a standard of excellence, whether it's in the grocery store or with your team. That you expect, um, you expect it, and you carry it with you. So I think that's a really awesome example. Well,
1: <laughs> oh, it, it's funny. It's it, so dating all the way back to you know early wars, medieval you know wars. We carry, we had banner people, bannermen, right? And their job was to carry the banner, and as long as the banner stood, we fought. And that was that's what our jerseys are. Those our jerseys are the banner. The people in the stands wearing them that that, that becomes the banner for our culture. And as long as that banner stands, we have to uphold those standards. And you're right. I would much rather see coaches, culture develops no matter what you, if you want to ignore it, ignore it, it will still develop trust. Mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of bad cultures and those bad cultures are usually because coaches put their head in the sand and let it come out. And then they're like, what happened? I don't understand why my athletes are such jerks because you (laughs) didn't set a standard. You didn't, you didn't learn, worry about the culture, but cultures take work. You can't just say, I'm going to have an expert come in. They're going to come up and, and pontificate with a bunch of platitudes from a stage for an hour and we're gonna play some games, and we're gonna have a culture. No, 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 no. You gotta get your hands dirty. You gotta get in there and find out what really makes the people tick, and the culture's gotta be about the people. It's gotta be about what they bring to the table. It's gotta be about what their why is, why they're here, you know, and they've gotta build it. They've got to build their values as a team. If you can let your athletes start to develop their own values and behaviors, they're driving the bus. And then every day, you have to hold yourself accountable. Because there is no worse feeling in the world than to think that your culture is of excellence and honesty and your coach is fudging on an age on an application for a tournament. Right. How does that make you feel? You know, it's like, wait, wait, wait. So is it okay? You know, you're sending mixed messages. No. If honesty is honesty, then honesty is all the time. If respecting the referees is respecting the referees, and I was guilty of this, then I better keep my mouth shut. Right? <laughs> I, And I got to the point where by the end of my career, I think I finally figured it out. Maybe there are a few referees who are okay with me. I got to the point where it was unlucky. If I was really, 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 really upset and it was a really bad call, unlucky. Because that was enough to tell my athletes, there's nothing you can do about it, guys. Yeah, I agree. It was a bad call. There's nothing you can do about it. But me saying it's a bad call, me yelling at the referee, I'm not conveying that standard of excellence.
0: Right. The expectation that you respect everybody, the expectation that you still go out and play and don't give up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's truly the best way to institute that in a team, though. I mean, and I tell this to my athletes as well as to, my, um, to the coaches that I mentor one-on-one, that we truly can't expect anything from our athletes if we're not doing it ourselves. Like, it's easy to – there's a stereotype for strength coaches of being the fat strength coach, but, like, I don't expect my athletes to respect me and what I have to say if I can't demo the exercise, if I can't also – Um, If I don't also put in the work, if I don't clearly value this myself, if I don't show up on time, if I don't finish the set, if I don't clean up, then how can I expect that my athletes are going to do the same thing? Because, again, I lead from the front with the values and also lead from the back by upholding them. Um, Anything you'd like to add? Anything you've got going on? Tell us about Realm.
1: Okay, so Realm launches actually today. That's the next thing I'm going to do is (laughs) go work on it. Uh, we're we're starting our trailblazer group today. Uh, it'll we'll probably we're gonna take a, a group of of coaches and we're looking across all levels. this isn't for any any it's for any sport any level because the stuff we're teaching is sport agnostic and level agnostic. It's applicable across as you and I have talked about that the stuff we're teaching is applicable. We're gonna start a trailblazer group. they'll so do a two week sprint we're gonna we're building out a membership site that will be webinars it will have access to organizations like player development project and working with parents in sports. So when you join the realm, you get access to those, uh, currently in discussions with DuckTig brand who make the really cool soccer notebooks to, to do notebooks for our coaches. And it's, we're calling it a mentoring and mastermind and mastery sort of program, but they'll do our travelers will do two weeks with us accountability. They'll work on six of the 18 core competencies. Uh, and then at the end of two weeks, we'll be able to measure those successes, whether it's, they lost weight, they're exercising more. Or they're beginning to communicate better with their athletes or anything like that the membership site will have online courses webinars with experts uh it'll have resources that we're creating to dump in there plus they'll have access to Gunny and dan cotchwell and myself and uh that should be coming out we're hoping to have the full launch here in the next couple months after our trailblazers go through it and give us feedback on it and uh and then um it's worldwide because one of us is in Australia, one of us is in the U.S., and one of us is in the U.K. So um, I, I encourage people to check it out because it's going to be, like we said, we've talked with a lot of governing bodies and a lot of coaches, and what we did is we built the pieces of the puzzle that were missing. And uh, and we're hoping we're plugging the hole in the boat rather than just still bailing water on the center. You and I talked before the game. <laughs> yeah. So I highly encourage people to check it out, coachesrealm.com, R-E-A-L-M.
0: Great. I will put that in the show notes. And where can the people find you online?
1: Uh, Easiest place. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at coach underscore read, R-E-E-D. I do a lot on Twitter these days around the realm stuff. So I post my workouts and what I'm eating and the time I spend with my family, which is considered my energizing time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, on Twitter, as you know, I, I get in there and try to carry meaningful conversations. And I do like to talk. So If you interact with me, I I will interact back. And and I figure that, you know, I once heard a professor say, when you step on an elevator full of people, you look at all of them and you go, are you the Buddha? Because it was a Zen Buddhism class. And he said, in other words, you never know who you're going to meet that's going to change your life. And so I talk to everybody on
0: Twitter. (laughs) 100%. You're also very active on LinkedIn as well, aren't you?
1: Yes, I do. I, 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 I typically will just interact a little bit, but I typically post knowledge pieces on LinkedIn for people and try to share other people's work.
0: Okay. Awesome. I will put all that contact info in the show notes. So all you guys have to do is click. Um, definitely recommend following him and reach out. He's very friendly. Obviously <laughs> he's very knowledgeable um, and it's always a great idea to take advantage of other people's experience. And you clearly have um, a lot, but also a great way. You're also great at, um, at verbalizing it, which is unique. So we don't get that Thank a lot. You.
1: The words matter. <laughs>
0: yes. And they have meaning. I think words and, are the most
1: powerful thing we have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so, so much again for your time. Good luck with your launch, And um, I'm sure we'll be back for a part two at some point. We've got so much more to discuss. But thank you for your time this time.
1: Thank you. It was a real honor. And I absolutely love the work you do. So your athletes and the coaches you work with are extremely lucky. So thank you, because I've learned a lot from you.
0: That is my greatest honor today. Thanks so much. <laughs>